0: We have a great guest on the show today, but before I tell you about him, let me tell you about Podia. Podia is like an amazing Swiss Army knife for selling anything online. It's an all-in-one digital storefront where you can sell courses, memberships, and digital downloads all in one place. The cool thing about Podia is that they eliminate all of the technical headaches. You don't have to install anything. You can host your sales pages there, your files, your checkout process. You can even do your email marketing and newsletters right from Podia. Fizzle Show listeners get 15% off of Podia for life by signing up for a free trial over at podia.com slash fizzle. That's P-O-D-I-A dot slash fizzle fizzle thanks to podia for sponsoring the fizzle show and for supporting independent entrepreneurs like you and me hey everybody welcome to the fizzle show i'm your host corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently doing something you love today we're joined by grant baldwin Grant is the founder of The Speaker Lab, a training company that helps public speakers learn how to find and book speaking gigs. Through his popular podcast, The Speaker Lab, and flagship coaching program, Booked and Paid to Speak, he's coached and worked with thousands of speakers. As a keynote speaker, Grant has delivered nearly 1,000 presentations to over a half million people in 47 states and has keynoted events for audiences as large as 13,000. Grant is also the author of the new book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. Grant, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Corbett, thanks for letting me hang out with you, man. I'm a longtime listener and fan of The Fizzle Show, uh, so this will be fun.
0: Awesome. Love it. Yeah, and uh, we've known each other for a while. We've had a chance to hang out in person, and Mm -hmm. I have been super impressed with what you bring as a speaker. In fact, I remember we spoke uh, a few years ago at the same event, yeah. and uh, I was picking your brain because I'm just not a well prepared speaker, and it always takes so much for me. <laughs> I felt like I let you down too. Uh, you and Mike Pacione, who I also learned yeah. from, Mike is great uh, in terms of speaking. Um, something caught my eye when I was looking at the uh, the book materials. Um, Michael Hyatt has a quote. He said that Grant Baldwin reveals many invisible but real struggles that are in the background of the public speaker on the stage. The travel, the preparation, the nerves— the hope that we will connect with people, and how to make all this effort pay the bills. I love that. It just encapsulated everything and really made me feel, again, because I haven't done any talks for a while, it made me feel what it's all about, thinking about the travel, the nerves, the preparation, all that kind of stuff. When did you get started speaking originally, and and how did you get so dang good at it?
1: Yeah, so, um, uh, well, thank you. Um, But uh, So my background, actually, I used to be a youth pastor uh, way back when, so probably 12 13 years ago or so and um was speaking a lot at our our local church and was speaking to students and enjoyed it and wanted to do more of it um but really had no idea how do you get started because it's one thing then you're just kind of you know you're speaking at your local thing It's another thing going i want to do this i want to do this professionally i know that there's a handful of speakers out there is this a thing i didn't see it on the career menu list uh what do you do from here and that's where a lot of speakers are at who, who go through our programs or who will come across uh, the, the new book, The Successful Speaker, is they're interested in speaking. So one of the things I, I always say is like, uh, for me, I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I, I was—I knew I was an okay speaker. as a decent speaker. I was a good enough speaker, but no idea, like, how do you actually book gigs, and how do you know how much to charge, and how do you get paid, and how does this world work? And so uh, I stalked a bunch of people uh, just figuring out how to get started. Uh, our mutual friend, Josh Ship was very influential early on in my career uh, of just going, all right, all right, I see, Josh, I see you doing it. How do I do that thing, too? Um, and so guys like that, that I just tried to, to learn from and, and soak up from as much as possible. Um, and... Uh, just figure out how do you how do you find and book gigs. And so for the next several years, really built up um, the business just purely as a speaker. So I was doing uh, sixty or seventy gigs per year. Um,
0: what was that? What, do you remember like what your first couple of gigs were? Like
1: yeah, yeah. Then, in and- fact, uh, in the uh, in the book, we talk about the like the very first paid gig that I did, um, and it was a uh, of a group of about three hundred people or so for about forty five minutes, uh, and they paid me a thousand dollars and it was just mind boggling. Like I I just couldn't even, I couldn't even fathom. Like I remember, like we had a contract and everything. I knew how much the amount was, but like they hand, you know, they hand me the check. I finished speaking and I go, I go to my car in the parking lot. and just broke down in tears. Like, I can't believe that. And I think like, I think a lot of uh, fizzlers can relate to the first time you get paid to do anything that you love, whether it's a product or service, whatever you're like, I can't believe someone just gave me money to do this thing that I, you know, if I was independently wealthy, I'd do this for free. This is, this was so cool. Uh, I get to help with this, you know, the product or service or whatever it was. And for me, it happened to be speaking. Um, and so, yeah, so we built the the business over the next several years. And, and I would say this, like, I don't feel at all like I'm the world's greatest speaker. There's plenty of speakers that I know that are, are, are much, much better than me. Um, what I feel like we've been able to, um, how we've been able to build a, a successful business is, by having good systems and good processes for knowing how to find and book gigs, uh, and so it's kind of like some of this goes back to um, that book, The myth from Michael Gerber. Yeah, and so he talks about the difference between you know working in the business and on the business, and one of the analogies he makes is um, there's a difference between like someone who's a good baker and some, and actually running a bakery, and those are just two different skill sets. And so I felt like uh, there's plenty of people who are great speakers. But they suck at the other side of running the bakery, so to speak, uh, of yep. running the business. And so that's what we try to bring to the table of, of knowing how do you actually find and book gigs, how you know how to run the, the back end, the business part of being a speaker. And so, um, yeah, that's how it is. And,
0: and, and I, I, can, I can vouch for, for you on the business side. We've had conversations in the past uh, about what goes on kind of behind the scenes. And the cool thing about uh, your business is you really run two different businesses, right? You've got the speaking business. And then you've got the teaching people to speak business. Yeah. And I know that on on that side, the teaching side, you're super efficient. We were We were talking before about how you've got so many people involved that you don't have to be rolling up your sleeves and doing everything, which is amazing. And I think that speakers probably in the beginning just get mired in all of the Uh, stuff that goes along with trying to qualify people, trying to book gigs and all that kind of stuff. And I I can just imagine, I mean, I know I've done it myself. I've gone around and around with people talking about events that are coming up and what am I going to speak about? How long do you need me on stage? Negotiating all of that stuff. It just takes so much time and energy. Yeah. So how, how does a beginning speaker get a handle on all of that stuff and like know where to look and how to negotiate and all
1: that? Yeah. I don't think it's dramatically different than, you know, starting or running any other type of business, meaning that, um, sometimes we worry about problems before they're problems, you know? So we start thinking through like, how am I going to run or manage things when I'm doing 50 gigs? Uh, and we're thinking about this, like before we've done one gig. Um, so it's like, it's like, yeah, we'll figure that out. We'll get there, but let's figure out that first gig first. And, and, you know, the first couple of gigs before we realize it's you know uh, it, it's it's going to potentially be a problem or figuring out how to deal or, or sort what sort you know out some of those things one of the things i really like about speaking um is that there's no right or wrong amount to speak, meaning that there's some speakers that you know you and I know that speak full-time. They speak 50, 75, 100 times a year, and that's what they yep. want to do. That's the core of their business. And then there's some that are on the other end of the spectrum. They're like, I don't, you know, uh, we were talking earlier, like, I think you're a good example of that, of like, I don't want to be a full-time speaker, but I wouldn't mind doing, you know, three, four, five, ten 10 things a year, and, you know, where it makes sense, or things that are local, or things where I don't have to travel much, or yeah. for a friend, and... So I wouldn't mind doing more of those. Uh, I just don't know necessarily, you know, how to find or book those type of gigs. And, you know, what do I do there? So it's not necessarily like you have to do it this way in order to be a a successful speaker. It could just be, I just want to do five things. And that's a win for my business and, and how it moves the needle in other ways.
0: What's, what's the upper limit for people? I, you mentioned you had done like 60 or 70 in a year. Do you know people who speak more than that?
1: Oh, absolutely. And again, it just kind of, there's not a right or wrong answer. It's just kind of, some of it uh, is phase of life. Some of it is, you know, what they want to do. Um, it's, it's very, very difficult to do, you know, well over a hundred gigs and, and be happily married and, you know, have a life because it's not just, you know, you fly there, you do the gig, you go home. It may be the type of thing where, um, you know, you're, you're there for a couple of days for the event, And so one speaking engagement may be the equivalent of, you know, potentially two or three days, you know? Um, so and, can, and not
0: just, not just two or three days of lounging around, it's two or three days right. of being engaged because when yes. you're the speaker, a lot of times uh, people get to know you at the event or they already know you when you show up and they just want to, hang out and talk with you and so it's it can be a kind of a draining couple of days sometimes
1: it can very much so yeah and so um and this also doesn't mean like you have to be i think one misconception about being a speaker is that you have to be some type of of raging extrovert and you're the life of the party um and really that's not the case in fact most speakers i know myself included are much more introverted in that we like being around people like being on stage like speaking but um you know uh it's also very tiring it's very like mentally emotionally just physically draining where you're like i just i just gotta go back to the hotel room just sit in silence for a minute and just decompress you know um because speaking is it's, it's, it's a big kind of euphoric high but it's also like it requires a lot of like mental energy of like i'm on and i'm in front of an audience and like <laughs> there's no like okay i didn't say that right cut edit you know like <laughs> no you're on and you have you to recover save. if you if you yeah. make a mistake so right it's i mean it's 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 that, and that's part of the rush that people enjoy. You're walking a, a, a tightrope uh, live in front of an audience, and anything can happen, um, good or bad. And so, uh, so, all that to say, like, it can be very tiring, it can be very draining. And so, yeah, there absolutely are speakers who do uh, 100 or more gigs a year. And some that are like, I just, I just don't want to do that, you know? Um, yeah. And so, you get yeah, to we- de- decide what it looks like for you.
0: I think we know we know a lot of people. Um, I, I mean, you know so many speakers, but we know mutually a lot of people who do it more casually. Yeah. Um, uh, one one mutual friend of ours, Vanessa Van Edwards. I yeah. saw she was on your show recently. Yeah. Um, she has at times done a lot of gigs, but lately she's just kind of decided that you know she has a, a baby and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily worth it to be on the road all the time. So she just has this like ridiculously high fee, and yeah. whoever wants to pay that, she'll do it. And if it means she only does, you know, six or eight or ten a year, or they're closer to her home, yep. perfect, right? Yep. And yep. Jeff, Jeff Goings as well. I know mm-hmm. he doesn't like to be on the road all the time, but does gigs now and then. Yeah, um, I saw. Is he a co-author on this book as well? Or yeah, or yeah, a, a little bit.
1: Yeah. Him? So what we ended yeah. up doing, I'll, I'll give you the quick backstory on it. So uh, Jeff and I have been friends for several years, and so he um, he was hosting something a couple years ago, and, and I was doing like a kind of a Q and A about speaking at it and there's a guy there that jeff was friends with who's in the publishing industry and so he came to, to jeff afterwards and said hey does you know does grant ever wanted to write a book like he this would be a great fit and so jeff came to me and it's like you want to write a book and i was like eh not really like i i just don't i don't enjoy <laughs> writing you know so staring yeah. at a blank screen i'm just it's not it's not really my jam um and so jeff uh just said hey well i got an idea like what if um what if I wrote the book for you, and I was kind of the, uh, a ghostwriter for the project? And we'll take all of your content, everything that you've got already around the world of speaking, and um, and I'll I'll write the book. Um, he said it's your it's your book, um, and I'll just curate it and write it. And so basically, the the joke I've made is like you know, so imagine a, a publisher said, Hey, we want to give you a, a bunch of money for Jeff coins to write your book. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's do that. That sounds great. Um, yeah.
0: So I'm, gonna, uh, I'm texting <laughs> Jeff right now. Hey, can you write a book for me?
1: Yes, very much so. Um, so it, it, it worked out really, really well from that standpoint of, in fact, he's, uh, I know you're joking about, it, but he's also, he's been doing that with more and more people. Uh, yeah. he loves the writing process. He's extremely good at it. And so for, for him to say, listen, Grant, you've got, hundreds of podcast episodes, you've done hundreds of interviews, you've got great course material, you have a lot of blog posts, you have all this content out there, I can take it and synthesize it and curate it into a book. I was like, awesome, let's do that. So that's basically what we did. So he, um, it's, it's, it's all my content and brain and material. Um, and he was the, the one that made it look and sound pretty.
0: Yeah, because he's really, really good with words. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, um, I'm curious do you do you feel like uh, speakers are some speakers are like naturally gifted, um, or does everybody have to put in the reps and and learn some of the tools of the trade in order to become a really dynamic? speaker that you know gets invited back and and commands top dollar
1: i think both honestly um so it's kind of like so think about it like athletics um there's going to be some people who are just naturally athletically gifted in one sport either their their height or their speed or their ability to jump or whatever it may be they're just they're just really really good at that they didn't have that Uh, or the rest of us didn't get that gift right but they they can you can be really really tall and be a really crappy basketball player right Mm -hmm. so you're still like a part of it like there's people that are on stage, and they're just naturally charismatic, they're naturally great with people, they're naturally funny, and they can think on their feet. But there's still absolutely a skill set and an art to being a speaker. And so again, I don't think it's any different than anything else. I think it's absolutely something that can be learned and can be improved upon. Um, so you don't have to feel like, well, I'm, you know, I, I spoke one time, and it didn't go well. So I guess I'm not a speaker like, that's not realistic. Like, that's the case of anything. The first time, like, oh, I wrote a blog post and nobody commented on it. So I'm not a good blogger. It's like, that's not true. Like, that's their first blog post, you know? Um, so there's absolutely a lot of, uh, of skill sets that can be learned with speaking. And the way that you get, you know, the way that you get, you comment at the beginning, like, grant you're a good speaker. And I don't think that I've done anything special other than I've given hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of presentations. And so the yeah. way that you become a better speaker is you speak. The way that you become a better writer is you write. The way that you become yeah. a better blogger is you blog you know? So it's not like you do one thing and like, all right, I've got it. I've arrived. Like you're, you're, it's reps. You're just getting reps in and naturally and working harder at it. So a good example is, um, comedians. Like, uh, uh I, I love watching a good comedian and we think like, oh, they're just funny. They just get up on stage and they just made up a couple of things and told some jokes and it all just worked out. And the reality is, is like, they've spent hours and hours and hours and hours behind the scenes crafting jokes working on the wording of that working on this uh, you know i told it this way and it didn't work and i told it that way and it did work we
0: were uh we were at this club in new york called the comedy cellar which is uh, amazing if you're ever in uh new york it's um near nyu it's been have you watched crashing on hbo it's this new new show with with Uh -uh. pete holmes okay holmes is a a podcaster comedian um and uh he has this like amazing background, but they made a show loosely based on his life, and the comedy sellers featured in this all the time. Um, but what they show there is totally true. Amazing comedians just pop into this place unexpectedly all the time, and it only costs like $15 to go, and it's not that hard to get into It's It's like the best place ever if you like comedians. So my wife and I were there once. Uh, They got uh, seated in the very front row right in front of the mic. We saw like three comedians. They were awesome. And then the uh, MC comes back, and he goes, you know, you might know this next guy. Um, He's been playing some colleges and stuff. Put your hands together for Chris Rock. No way. And, And Chris Rock walks up. And he has a notepad with him. Yeah, yep. And he's totally workshopping brand new stuff. Yeah. And you're dead right. Like, it was not polished. Right. Half of them didn't really get laughs. Yep. He was taking notes at the time, yep. looking at the audience, judging their reactions. Right. And so this is the kind of place where people just go and workshop stuff. Yeah. And I I have to imagine, if you're Chris Rock and you've done, like, you know, stadiums. Yes, and you've been in like massive movies and stuff. It has to be kind of painful to go up there and bomb every yeah. once in a while. But you really have to be willing to do that to get new material, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So one of the things we tell speakers all the time is when you're working on a new talk and you're, you're staring at a screen and you're typing it out or you're writing notes – it's all an educated guess until you get in front of an audience. I think this is funny. I think this will work. I think this will resonate. I think this will look like, I don't know though, until I get up in front of an audience. So that's exactly right. And in fact, there's a great um, documentary about this exact same you ju- thing you just described um, called Comedian. Uh, I think it's on Netflix actually. Um, and it's by Jerry Seinfeld. And it's basically mm. after the show Seinfeld ended, have you seen it?
0: I've seen parts of it, yeah. Okay,
1: so after the show, Seinfeld ended. Um, he's you know, obviously a huge celebrity, huge superstar in um, TV and pop culture and is is working on material for a new uh, special that was going to be on like HBO or something. And so he's going to these different clubs and he's just bombing. And it's just like, here's Jerry Seinfeld at the top of his game and top of his fame and notoriety and trying to, and it's just not working, you know, and some stuff that is, and some stuff that's not, but you just get to see, like, we assume, oh, it's Jerry Seinfeld. So he can just get up at any major venue and 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 tell jokes and it works. And it's like, not exactly. Like there's all, so much behind the scenes uh, of what goes on. So that what we see that finished product is amazing, but there's so much beneath the surface that he did to get there.
0: Well, and the way, the way you explained it to me, um, you know, because I speak so infrequently when I do generally, I'm like reinventing a brand new talk. I don't have like some go-to things. And so it's painful. It's like, it's, you know, a couple of months ahead of time prepping and then just practice, 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 practice. And then the first time you deliver it, is in front of the audience you know and and yep. so maybe your wife heard it or something but it's not like you've actually delivered it to an audience before but you were explaining to me i was you know asking like how do you how do you get so good and natural at this stuff you were explaining that you kind of have little segments in your pocket mm-hmm. you've got 5 minutes on this and 10 minutes on this and yeah. and so when you put a talk together you can draw from a well of things that, you know, are proven. Right. And so it's not so painful for you every time because you're not testing things out.
1: Right. Like a good way to think about it is like when you go to a restaurant, like whatever your favorite restaurant is, uh, you, whatever the the dishes that you always get, they have, that restaurant's probably made that dish thousands of times. And the reason that it's so good and it's so polished and so uh, dialed in is because they've made it thousands of times, you know? So there's something to be said for I want to go to a restaurant and I just want the chef to come up with something. There's also something to be said for that thing that you've made a thousand times that you know is spot on perfection of that dish. I want that. Uh, And that's the same thing that's true for a speaker. If you're working with a a blank slate each time you got to give a talk, it's like you said, it is a lot of work. It's very, very difficult versus I've given this talk and I've got immediate feedback and now I know what worked and what didn't. And so I'm going to tweak some things and that story really worked. I need to make sure I keep telling that or that point didn't really resonate and that got confusing. So I'm going to cut that. And so each time you you give the talk, you give that presentation, the talk actually gets better. It's always kind of this work in progress. And that's ultimately what organizers and event planners uh, want you to bring to the table. We want your best stuff. We don't want you to come up and just try out some material that you hope right. works. So comedy seller, when they have Chris Rock come, they know he's going to he's going to be trying material out. But whenever he gets up in front of at Madison Square Garden, they're not, they didn't pay a hundred dollars a ticket for him to try out material, right? right? They need you to have gone to the comedy cellar to figure that stuff out. So we get your best. And that's what you're trying to do as a speaker as well, is you've Any? polished it to the point that it's ready to give.
0: And even if you've delivered a talk several times before, you know, or even if you're known for a particular talk, they still want you to deliver that good stuff, even if you're going to repeat yourself, because people want to hear it in person, right? They want to see the words come out of your mouth. So um, I would love to switch gears a little bit and talk about the business side of speaking, because I I think there's a lot of misconceptions here. Um, So I'd love to know, how do you make that leap from just kind of casually giving talks to actually getting paid for it. Um, are there certain topics that you need to focus on in order to get paid? Um, and you know, just kind of how do you get this ball rolling so that you're not just showing up, for free to places? Because I think a lot of people do a lot of speaking for free, especially at industry conferences. It seems like there's a lot of opportunities, but they're not a lot of paid opportunities. So what's the difference there between somebody who just does some free gigs and somebody who gets paid for it?
1: Yeah. So some of it would be, you know, the difference between someone who's like, ah, just do some stuff here and there versus someone like, no, no, I want to do this I want to get paid to do this. Some of it comes down to just their level of commitment and how seriously they're taking it, you know? So it's one thing to be like, yeah, kind of, I think it'd be kind of cool to be be a speaker. So I'm just going to, I don't know, kind of throw that in my bio speaker and, um, and I'll just see what happens, you know? And then we're, we're shocked when like, we don't get engagements or we don't get paid to do that versus like, no, no, I'm going to like, this is a key part of my business and I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this as, as seriously as any other part of my business, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, the things that you pay attention to in the business. It's like, um, if you're like, man, our email list is doing really, really, really well, but like, it's because I spend so much time on our email list. And then you may look at like, man, we're not doing, we're not getting any engagement on, on Twitter. It's like, well, how much time are you spending on Twitter? Well, I'm, I'm not really spending any time. Well, you shouldn't be shocked at the results then, you know? So for a speaker standpoint, the same thing is true. If it's just kind of a, a little, uh, side show side hobby for you, then don't be, don't, don't be expecting different results than that. So, but as to the kind of the question of, um, okay, I've done some speaking. I'm interested in doing more. I'm interested in taking it to the next level of taking it more seriously, of getting paid. What do I need to do? So in the book, we walk through a kind of a five-step roadmap. We call the speaker success roadmap. Um, It makes the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. The first step is select a problem to solve. Select a problem to solve. And we talk about um, within that, the topic trifecta. So we talk about um, industry, interest and integrity industry interest and integrity i'll break that down so industry is basically who who is it that you speak to Uh, and there's a variety of different industries that hire speakers but ultimately getting really really clear on who it is that you speak to you guys understand this and you teach this within fizzle that you're trying to solve a specific problem for a specific person versus if someone came to you and said hey i want to be a, a blogger awesome um who do you who who is your ideal reader uh humans Okay. Good luck with that. You know, like that just doesn't work, you know? So you have to be really clear about who it is that you speak to. The, the, I, the, the second I, the interest is the, um, what's the problem that you solve. And you're in a problem solving business. And again, this is no different than any other entrepreneur. So if you just say, I want to do a blog um, about kittens just because I love kittens, like that's awesome. But if you're not actually solving a problem and if nobody else cares about kittens, then it doesn't matter what your blog's about, right? So you have to be clear about, again, who you speak to, what's the problem that you solve. And then are you, that third one, I, or the third I is uh, integrity. Uh, so are you qualified to talk about that subject or topic? You know, what makes you uniquely uh, skilled to talk about that? Um, and so that's the, having the overlap between those three of who you speak to, what you speak about, and are you qualified to talk about that? And again, it's no different than what you're already teaching entrepreneurs. It's just putting the, the, the speaker framework on it that, Uh, If you're not solving a specific problem for a specific person, it's really, really hard to build a business that way.
0: And and when when you say a specific person, are you thinking about the attendee, the audience member, or are you thinking about the person that hires you? for the gig?
1: Really good question. Cause there's really, there's, there's both sides of it. And so there's your buyer is different than your audience member. Your buyer is different than your audience member. So for example, um, like I've done a lot of speaking in the education space. Um, and that's how I got connected with, you know, with Josh, uh, in the beginning is we both did a lot in, in that world. Um, and so the buyer is going to be a, let's say I go speak at a high school, a buyer, may be a 45 year old you know, um, uh, administrator, right? But the audience may be a 17 year old high school student, right? Yeah. Um, and so, who I'm trying to appeal to, at least with like the marketing materials, is the buyer. They're the ones that make the decision, and I'm showing them here's how I can provide a solution to your audience members' problem, right? Yeah. Um, and so, that can now, that also is important to realize. And some of this goes back to what we talked about earlier about how much speaking you want to be doing, how speaking fits into your business. Because if you said, I wanna do 100 gigs a year um, speaking on kind of this micro niche topic. Are there even 100 gigs a year around that, even 100 events or opportunities around that? Um, versus if you said, I've already got a good business going, um, but I'd love to speak a, a couple times a year on this niche thing. Um that may make more sense for what it is that you specifically are trying to accomplish as a speaker. Um, so there's absolutely different like different variables there that go into you know the the number of opportunities that may exist for a speaker like you and what make what may make the most sense for you
0: depending on the industry yeah um do you do you feel like it's a good or bad idea for people to speak for free either in the beginning or occasionally?
1: Good question. I think it's a there's a big misconception that speaking for free is a bad thing. It's a negative thing, right? I think it's okay to speak for free and here's the caveat as long as you know why you're doing it. Okay. And what I mean by that is, um, you're running a business, you're an entrepreneur, so you can't just do things out of the goodness of your heart, right? That doesn't work. That's not a way to build a business. You're providing value and you have to receive value for the, for what you're bringing to the table. Now that value that you may be getting back in return may not always come in the form of a check. There's a lot of ways that you can receive value. So let me give you some examples. So, um, Uh, you may speak for free if you have some type of product or service that you offer. So if I go speak for free, but, um, I pick up multiple coaching clients or multiple people buy some of our trainings, or we sell a bunch of books. I, I earned value for that, but I didn't get necessarily paid in the form of a check from the event planner. I got paid in Mm -hmm. other ways for that. Um, it could be that, uh, one of the things we talked, we touched on earlier is the way that you become a better speaker is that you, uh, you practice. Um, the comedy seller probably didn't pay Chris Rock anything to come practice, right? He just yep. needed an at-bat. And so for him, the value was he got to be in front of an audience and try some material, right? So maybe for you, it's like, I want to I want to do more speaking. I want to be taken more seriously as a speaker and I know I need to get better. Therefore, I'm going to look for some local free opportunities just to get the practice. Uh, another one I would recommend for, especially for the Fizzle audience, is speaking for free as a Uh, a way to uh, attend a conference or an event uh, Ah. for like networking opportunities. So for example, the event that you and I both spoke at a few years ago, um, I, I did, I think a workshop or two, or did a panel or something. um, And I didn't get paid for that. Um, They didn't cover my travel. I, on paper, I lost money. I'm out of pocket on that. But, as a result of speaking at that, you know, I'm able to connect with, you know, people like yourself and other entrepreneurs that were there or being able to, um, people there that may, I know, I know people that attended that who bought other things from us later in the future. So even though that event, it seems like it's a net loss. The reality is, is I generated a lot of revenue and value from that, that may be hard to quantify. So again, the point being like, don't just, I'm gonna just speak for free anywhere and everywhere and hope it all magically works out. Um, versus like, no, I don't mind speaking for free at times as long as I'm really, really clear on why I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, I think um so often there are these like just like rules that people have in their head, like mm-hmm. that they learned growing up or whatever, you know, never work with friends or never yeah. mix business with pleasure or whatever these old right. antiquated ideas are. And they don't think about like why does that rule exist? Uh, same is true for freelancers. A lot of times have this yep. rule like never work for free or whatever. But in the beginning, sometimes you have to build your portfolio yeah. or, or whatever. Um, I was talking with a fizzle member recently, and she was confronted with this question. Uh, she had applied to speak mm-hmm. somewhere. She had done this same conference before a couple of years ago, so she knew what revenue it was worth to her on the back end, meaning yep. other opportunities that happened as a result of speaking. She um, did earn a speaker's fee the first time, but the second time the conference, as part of the like speaker's application, had a question in there, which was, would you be willing to forego your speaker's fee in exchange for becoming a sponsor of the conference? So for her and I, we talked through this and kind of had to ask ourselves, well yeah. how many people attend yep. what do we think sponsorship would lead to? what results did you get on the back end before um, you know what kind of people do you think will be attending this time and so on? Yep. And ju- we just kind of did these little scenarios yep. and stuff and and decided, was it worth giving up the, you know, couple thousand dollars or whatever she would have earned otherwise?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly right. You're approaching it the exact, um, correct way. So one, one, um, depending on the nature of the, of the business or product or service that you offer, one primary, one big reason that we kind of touched on that you may want to speak for free, um, or just speak in general is for lead gen for other things that you would offer. Mm -hmm. Um, or perhaps you want to do, um, You want to do a lot of speaking, and you know that the event that you're speaking at, that there's a lot of event planners or decision makers makers there who may hire you for other events. So you know that the value for you isn't that event, but what that event could lead to. So for her, just kind of figuring out, okay, I know that my ideal client or the thing that I want to accomplish in my business are those people at that event. And by connecting with them and meeting them, is it worth it for me to... um, uh, to either speak for free or to sponsor the event in some way? And what's the value that I'm actually going to get for that? Does, you know, having a little banner ad in a, um, an event program, is that going to move the needle for me at all? Or being able to put a brochure or a business card or flyer or whatever in all the swag bags, is that going to make any difference, right? And you just kind of evaluate that and you kind of assess that if that's going to make any difference for you uh, or not. But it is like you're approaching it the exact same way. I think about it like, for example, in our business, we do a lot of Facebook ads, right? So I can kind of run some numbers and say, okay, let's just say, let's say ballpark, it costs us, um, depending on the thing, it costs us $5 to get a lead on Facebook, right? So if we spend $100, um, or let's say if we spend $500, we get 100 leads out of that ballpark, right? And I have the opportunity to go to an event. And I'm looking at it going, um, okay, let's say it's going to cost me I don't know, $500 out of pocket to go to that can we get a hundred leads out of that? Cause I would spend that same money somewhere else. Right. Or maybe we get fewer leads, but maybe our higher quality leads because they, they saw me speak in person and we were able to connect yeah. in person, you know? Um, so it's all just kind of like, yeah, you're, 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 you're kind of running the numbers to figure out, is it worth it for what I want to do? But again, the point being like for her, she's approaching it the exact correct way of going, um, okay, here's what I'm bringing to the table. Here's what I need for this speaking engagement to be a win for me. Let's yeah. just do the math and figure out if that is a win. But ultimately, I think one of the hardest things for a speaker or a freelancer or anyone to do is to say no, is to walk away and say, you know what, I would love to do that. I did that a couple of years ago. It was an awesome event. I love the, the people, but I, it just does not make sense for me to do. And that's right. fine. But just being able to say, Nope, I can't do it. I'm sorry.
0: It's tough because it feels so, you feel so honored when somebody asks you to their event and wants you to speak. Um, So I'm curious uh, how do you start to get paid? Like, where do you find events that actually do pay? And how do you reach out to someone? You know, how do you find these opportunities for paying speaking gigs?
1: Yeah. And again, some of this comes back to like your your goal as a speaker, right? So I'll give you an example. There's a guy that uh, we worked with in the past who um, his primary thing is uh, he does a lot of like life coaching basically. And so he speaks at like 50 some events every year for free, um, but he does it all as lead gen for the coaching business. So the wow. coaching business is a several hundred thousand dollar business, but yeah. the whole thing is built upon speaking. And so again, it kind of goes back to the example of how do I get paid? So you'd look at him and be like, dude, this guy's doing all this free speaking. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like my whole business is built upon speaking. Uh, And so it's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it's all predicated on speaking, even though I didn't get a check at those events. So Mm -hmm. I I think, again, it's kind of the, um, I think it's just a, a misconception of people going, all right, I, I want to get a check because we feel like that makes it real. Like that makes right. me, I'm a real paid professional speaker. And I get that. I totally understand that. Um, but also there's a lot of ways that you can, again, generate revenue or perhaps make more revenue without having ever got a check from the event planner.
0: Okay. Okay. And so before before we go into like getting checks from, from yeah. events, um, in your experience, what portion of people are speaking because... It's a lead gen opportunity versus they're doing it purely for the check that they get from the event.
1: I mean, I'm not sure, like in terms of like pure numbers or percentage breakdown. Um, the 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 golden goose is that you're getting paid to do lead gen. Yes. So there's a there's several speakers I know that do that. Uh, so let's take this life coach guy as an example. If he got if he was able to do lead gen and he got paid. Someone paying you to do lead gen for your business is yeah. amazing. And that's there's absolutely those opportunities that exist. Now, a couple caveats there as it relates to, you know, how do I know how much I should charge or how do I get paid in my world? Um, one, or, or I guess another answer is some speakers, or a question that some speakers ask is Grant, how much do I charge as a speaker? Right. Um, and the, the horrible answer is it depends because there are a lot of variables and factors that go into it. Um, as a side note, kind of a shortcut answer. Um, We put together a free calculator people can check out um, at myspeakerfee.com. Myspeakerfee.com. You answer like six or seven questions and it tells you what you should charge as a speaker. So it's a cool little free tool. Um, But the... um, But one of the things I was going to say was it it depends on your industry is a big factor. There's some industries that are, um, you know, for example, like you mentioned with entrepreneurs, um, a lot of like entrepreneurial conferences may not pay speakers because they know you're going to generate revenue in other ways. So they don't feel like they may necessarily have to. Um, Whereas if you were speaking to, uh, not necessarily like, you know, solopreneur type entrepreneurs, but you were speaking to, let's say, franchise owners or um, those in like a multi-level thing. There's a lot of paid opportunities in those worlds. So it may be uh, your industry may be a factor. So if you say, Man, I just, I really want to speak in this industry to this people and I want to get paid. There may just not be a lot of, oppor- there may be a lot of opportunities, but maybe not a lot of them that pay the speakers. And that's mm. just part of it. Whereas in a different industry, there may be a lot of opportunities and they are used to paying speakers. They know like, no, we got to, you know, you got to pay to play and you got to, you have to, uh, you have to pay speakers if you want good speakers to come in.
0: Yeah. For conferences, um, I found that there are a lot of situations where maybe the top two or three speakers mm-hmm. get paid and yeah. the rest don't. Um, but I've also heard that in the corporate world, they're super used to paying. If yeah. you come out to a corporate event and speak, it's it's likely that you're going to be paid.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's also like considering like the different factors that go into... What a potential budget for an event may be, you know. So if it's some, we're doing some local entrepreneur event, and um, there's 50 people coming, and everyone paid 10 bucks to be there, and we're providing pizza for everyone, (laughs) right? Um, Like they're they're just, you can do the math. Like there's just not a lot of uh, left there at the bottom uh, to pay a speaker. Versus like, um, you know, there's several big corporations that I've spoke to that just have their multi, multi, multi million dollar companies that. For them to pay a speaker uh, you know several thousand dollars or a few thousand dollars or whatever isn't going to make a big dent uh, to them, so there's absolutely opportunities there um, to be speaking now one... I've, al- I've, I've, hey.
0: I've also seen where a uh, conference will like blow their entire budget on getting one big name speaker yeah because then they know that they can draw an audience with that. So if you see Gary Vee or Seth Godin or uh, somebody from Shark Tank or something like speaking at the top of the ticket, odds are there's not a lot of budget left over to pay everybody else.
1: Yeah, possibly. Um, And so part of what they are paying for at that point isn't necessarily because some of those people um, can command really high fees, not because they're a great speaker, but because they can sell tickets. And so that's part of the value there. Because you look at, there's some of those speakers that are $100,000 speakers. It's like, why would you pay someone a hundred thousand dollars speaker a uh, hundred thousand dollars that's crazy but if, if an event knows and if we have um if we have gary vee on uh on the stage and we we pay him a hundred thousand dollars but because he's on the on the ticket that we're we're going to sell another x number of tickets that's worth two hundred thousand dollars we just doubled our money that's a no that's a no-brainer let's do that yep. um so to them it may make total sense because of how much the return on that investment is
0: Yeah, love it. So, um, okay, if regardless of if you're booking free or paid gigs, how do you get more gigs? Like, what materials do you need? Where do you start reaching out? Like, where do you find opportunities?
1: Yeah. So there's two, uh, two key marketing tools that you need. One is a website and one is a demo video. And so, um, let's start with the website. You, you, you have to have a website. If you don't have a website, you don't exist. You guys already teach that. Um, but one of the unique things about being a speaker is that you, it's a personal brand. You are the product. You are, um, you are the thing that's being offered. So I recommend that you use your name as the, as the domain. Um, so it's not you know i like so for example our our bit legal business name is the baldwin group my last name the baldwin group um but nobody books the baldwin group they they are hiring grant baldwin um so the website is grantbaldwin.com for the those that are interested in hiring me as a speaker um whereas like uh, i'll give you a counter example is the uh our, our training company the speaker lab Um, people aren't necessarily coming to get training from Grant, they're coming to get training from the Speaker Lab. So if people are interested in hiring Grant as a speaker, they go to grantbaldwin.com, a personal brand site. If they're interested in learning how to become a speaker, we send them to thespeakerlab.com, the company site, uh, because they're two different two different programs two different um, uh, solutions there Uh, so one is going to be a website the other one is going to be your demo video now your demo video is basically think of it like a movie trailer Uh, you take a 90 minute movie you boil it down to a couple minutes and the point of the movie trailer is to make someone want to see more so Mm. whenever you are you're watching a movie and they're showing the previews ahead of time and you know you're you're going to see a couple previews you're like oh that looks awesome. We got to go see that. As soon as that comes out in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, we got to go see that. That's the point of the demo video is it gives someone a little bit of a taste to be like, ah, that's what we need at our event. Oh, that person would be, that guy, that gal, that would be, they would be perfect at our event. We need to hire them to come in and speak because it just, it gives them enough there that they can go off. Because if you, you know, if you told someone right now, like, um, uh, you know, I, I, my name is Corbett, I'm a successful entrepreneur. Um, and I'm a good speaker. You're just like, Okay, yep. I got I got nothing to go off of. Where's know? the proof? Yeah, I'm just trusting it. And I don't need to see a full speech. I yeah. just need, if I can just see something, because maybe you are, maybe you're a phenomenal speaker. You're just not what we're looking for for an event, right? People just totally. don't know unless they can see something. So, a website and a demo video are, are really really important as just at least marketing tools to get started. Um, the next part of the process then is how do you actually book gigs? So let's assume you got the website, you got the video. Uh, the mistake a lot of speakers make is I've got those things. I set up. I put it on my website. I put up my demo video. Now I just sit back and I wait for the phone to ring. Again, it's no different than any other freelancer, blogger, any entrepreneur that that uh, that Fizzle works with. Is that you have to be proactive in getting the ball rolling. Like speaking and entrepreneurship is very much a momentum business. It is hard to get the momentum going in the beginning, but once you get it going, it can be a little bit easier to sustain long term. Uh, And so for a speaker, the way that you get bookings is that you actually speak. And so most people don't know that you're a speaker unless, that you, unless you tell them. And so if if someone, um, you know, you've spoken a few things before, but if you're not actively trying to book gigs, people aren't going to think of you when they're looking for a speaker. Yep. Um, so the, um, you know, the reason that event that you and I spoke at a few years ago, the reason I spoke at that is because I reached out to the event planner and I was like, hey, I know that you're putting on this event. I'm I'm going to provide a solution to a problem you have. You're putting on an event you need speakers for that event, let me show you why I'm a good fit. And yep. he ended up hiring me to come to come speak. And so it was a win for both of us because I knew I filled a need to a, to a problem that he already had. Uh, and so that's part of it is just beginning the process of reaching out to potential events and showing them why you're a good fit rather than, oh, I know of this conference, I know of this event coming up and I'm gonna just sit back and I hope, oh man, I hope they think of me. Versus just saying like, you have an event coming up, I know you're looking for speakers, here's a possible topic that I can speak on that I know is a fit for your audience and showing them why you're a good solution. Um, And it makes it really easy for them to be like, yeah, that would actually be a really good fit uh, now that you mention it
0: and you know a lot of there are different kinds of talks we should mention that yeah. as well it's not as if you decide i'm going to be a speaker and then you are speaking like you have in front of a group of 13,000 people yeah. it just doesn't work that way yep. and a lot of times you're not even necessarily on a stage a speaking gig in the very beginning might be more like a workshop or something that you're doing with a room of 40 or 50 uh-huh. in like one of those typical like hotel ballroom kind of things yep. or whatever um and and what i found is conferences a lot of times have applications. You can, if you have an idea for Mm -hmm. a talk or a workshop, you can apply. If there's a conference that you want to go to, maybe there's a way for you to go to the conference without having to buy a ticket. Like you said Mm -hmm. earlier, that could be a, a good reason to go. And then also once you've done a talk or two, there might be people in the audience that are involved in other conferences. They might yep. reach out to you. Uh, when you email your list of people, hopefully, everybody listening to this that's trying to become a speaker is growing an email list as yep. well. Yep. When you email your list and you tell them, hey, by the way, I'm going to be speaking at this gig, blah, 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 you plant this seed in people's minds that, ah, Grant is a speaker. Yep, exactly. And so when I'm involved in an event, maybe I'll invite him to it as well.
1: Yeah. And so everything you just described there is, uh, again, being very proactive in letting people know that you're a speaker and reaching. Out and and like actively taking a part versus uh, actively taking part in 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 finding and booking gigs versus I think I'm just going to add speaker to my Twitter bio and hope that I get gigs like don't expect that like it just doesn't work like that um, versus like I'm really going to make an effort to to find and book gigs
0: love it. Grant, uh, thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything else that you should leave people with that are like thinking about trying to speak or have done it a couple of times and haven't broken through yet? Is there some secret sauce or something that, um, people need to know about that you haven't covered already? Yeah, I would say this. I would
1: say that, that finding and booking speaking gigs and incorporating speaking into your business in whatever form, uh, it is simple, but it's not easy. Simple, but mm-hmm. not easy. Meaning that it's similar to, you know, if, if corporate, if you and I said, all right, we want to lose five pounds, right? What do we got to do to lose five pounds? Well, the reality is, is like, there's two things. You got to pay attention to what you, what you eat and you got to exercise. That's really it. Those are the two things you got to do. Really simple, it's just not easy. It requires a lot of discipline and it requires a lot of work. The same thing is true with being an entrepreneur, just in general, in any form, right? It's simple. You got to find a problem for, for the, that someone has and solve that problem, right? And have a way for them to pay you. That's pretty much it, more or less. But there's a lot that goes into it, a lot more nuance that goes into it that makes it simple, but not necessarily easy. So this is something that people, like anyone can do to the level that they desire. It's just a matter of actually doing the work. And so that's what we've really tried to break down and demystify um, inside the, the new book.
0: Grant, thank you so much for being here today. Congrats on the new book. You guys can find more from Grant Baldwin over at thespeakerlab.com, and you can find his new book, The Successful Speaker, anywhere books are sold. As always, you can find links to everything that we talked about today over at fizzleshow.co. I'm Corbett Barr, and until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show.